With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No one should settle when it comes to taking care of their health and wellness. And with Everly Well, you don't have to. Everly Well makes lab testing easy with over 30 at-home lab tests from food sensitivity and vitamin D to heart health and more. All with simple sample at-home collection, free shipping, and physician-reviewed results sent to your device in just days. Learn more at everlywell.com and demand better for your body. That's everlywell.com. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets, tío. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. And welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Tottenham versus Liverpool game this coming weekend. Joining me once again on the show is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show at the Cop HQ on Twitter and with us on the Cop Table. So thanks again, Jay. How are you doing? Hello, PC. Yeah, um, you know, obviously flying still, aren't we, Everton? Is rosy at the moment, isn't it? In the Liverpool Garden and fantastic winning the FA Cup game with our kids against Everton's full first team. So, you know, things can't be better at the moment for Liverpool. We're flying, aren't we? And looking forward to getting back to the Premier League action now at the weekend away to Spurs. Yeah, and we will, uh, we'll come to them, them issues shortly, the Everton and the Spurs game. But first of all, we're going to look back at our last Premier League game against uh, Sheffield. United when we've uh, come away with a with a two nil victory. Um, before the game, we thought it was going to be very tough, but Liverpool pretty much dominated that game, didn't he? And put the game to bed with a with a two nil victory. But just give us your your thoughts on the the performance in that game, please, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting um, a, a tough game because Sheffield United had had a really good season, hadn't they, so far? And I think the only defeat that they'd suffered away from home was against Manchester City in the game before. And, you know, obviously Liverpool and Man City, the two best teams in the Premier League. And I was hoping that might have knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit. And that proved to be the case, really, because Sheffield United didn't really perform 
very well at Anfield. I didn't think, you know, they didn't turn up to the team that has played majority of this season. I thought, thought they were quite poor, to be honest, on the night. And I think it was a game too far for them. And, you know, the, the games over Christmas, the Christmas period, they come thick and fast. And I think we've seen with a lot of teams that there's normally the one game where they, they suffer with the fatigue factor. And I think that was the game for Sheffield United and Liverpool. You know, thankfully we were in cruise control. We never really got out of second gear, just totally dominated the game. And, like a training session for us, really. It was just what the doctor ordered after a really difficult period for us, you know, travelling to Qatar for the World Club Cup and, you know, all that, the travelling involved there, coming back then to play Leicester on Boxing Day in a high-intensity game, or so we thought, and give them a hide. And, and I think the game where Liverpool really struggled was against Wolves at home, and we won 1-0, you know, a narrow victory when Wolves came on strong as well in the second half, and arguably deserved the point, but thankfully we got all three, and you know, that was the game that we struggled in, but I think this game for Sheffield United was was the one really for them where they just they were, they were passengers in the game, weren't they? And it was it was great for Liverpool because we we could just you know as I say a bit of a training session for Liverpool and the early goal helped, of course it did. Mo Salah getting off the mark early on put us one nil up, and in truth it could have been two or three nil by half time. And in the second half, you know Liverpool got that all important second goal really to kill the game and. You know, fantastic ball by Mo Salah and, you know, Sadio Mane. Mane's been fantastic for Liverpool all season, hasn't he? And he got the second goal and put the icing on the cake, really. And the game was, was pretty much over. And, you know, that's what we wanted, really, going into when you, when you analyse the league table now with 13 points clear of Leicester, 14 points clear of Man City. And we've still got that game in hand as well. And, it's just what we wanted, really. We're looking at the weekend moving forward. We had an FA Cup tie against Everton, and you know we weren't sure what type of team Klopp had put out. We knew there'd be a few changes, and you know we it would have rotated the squad a little bit. But I don't think we could have envisaged them playing the amount of kids that he did play. And you know now what you've got to look at is Liverpool have since that Sheffield United game in the Premier League. Liverpool have had a, it's going to be a nine-day gap really for this Tottenham game. So. Well and truly rested up, and it's just what the doctor orders really, because quite a few of them did look like they could have done with a rest, and we managed to get that at the weekend in the FA Cup because they didn't feature against Everton, and Liverpool still got through that game as well. So you know it's worked out perfectly for Liverpool, and you know we've had a nice little break before this Spurs game now. Yeah, and then like you say, we moved on to the to the derby game, the FA Cup on on Sunday, and surprisingly. For some, not for others, that that Jurgen chose to go with a team very inexperienced lineup. Um, apart from Joe Gomez and and James Milner, the outfield players, obviously we had Adrian and Goal, but a lot of young lads in there, one or two making the first team debuts. The likes of Harvey Elliott from the start, should I say, um, Nathaniel Phillips, uh, Curtis Jones. So just give. What was your thoughts on the, the, the performance against Everton and, and the performances of, of the likes of, of them three lads I've just mentioned, plus the debut of uh, Minamino? What did you, what did you make of, of them, please, Jay? Well, yeah, I mean, going into the game against Everton, you were thinking, what's going to happen here? Because, man, you know, when you, when you think about Everton, they hadn't won at Anfield for, what, 20 years? Um, they hadn't won a derby game for 10 years, and... You were thinking this is their best opportunity now to get one over on Liverpool. This competition obviously meant a lot to them and not really a lot to Liverpool because it's all about the Premier League this season for Liverpool and, of course, the Champions League as well. So 
Liverpool have got bigger fish to fry, haven't they, so to speak, and Everton, all their eggs were in the basket, really, because they're not going to get relegated, they're not going to challenge for the European place, so they're just you know, a mid-table team, really, aren't they, seeing how it goes under Ancelotti, you know, obviously the new manager there, and you just thought this is their time now because they were obviously going to go full strength. They want to try and have a go in the FA Cup to try and win a trophy because it's been such a long time, 25 years. And I just think it's maybe it's psychological, whatever, now at Anfield because I thought they were a shambles. I mean, in the first half, when you've seen Liverpool's team sheet, you just thought, you know what, all we can ask for here is that the best thing out of it is the, the main team, the main 11 players or the main sort of 14, 15 players in your squads are all going to be rested up for the, for the game against Tottenham, the next Premier League game. And what will be, will be, you know, you're hoping that the, the young kids will give a good account of themselves. And um, you know, the likes of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Nat Phillips at the back, Nico Williams at right back. Um, you know, all we were hoping for was just give a good account of yourselves and what will be, will be. And if you lose the game, then fair enough, you know, let them have their moments, let them have their day. And to be fair, I just thought Liverpool, even in the first half, when Everton had the chances that they did, Adrian's done really well. I mean, the efforts that he said, I think there was three saves he made and, and they were all pretty much at him, but it was his positional sense. was absolutely spot on. Credit to him for that. Um, but other than that, I thought Liverpool played all the football, really, and Everton are just absolutely shocking team. And you've got Schneiderlin and Sigurdsson in the middle of the park. There's just no legs there at all. Both of them are finished. And Liverpool were, were able to control large parts of the game, I thought, in the first half, even when Everton did have their opportunities. I thought Chiravella and Lalana were absolutely outstanding in the middle of the park. And then, obviously, they never took their chances. Liverpool come more into the game in the sense that started creating our own opportunities. And Minamino went close with a header. It just just missed the header. Um, and then Origi had a great chance, didn't he? It was a good save by Pickford, but obviously replay shown that it was it was offside in the build up anyway, so it wouldn't have stored. But Liverpool started to create opportunities themselves towards the end of the first half. And in the second half, Liverpool just totally controlled the game, totally dominant. Everton didn't even have a shot on target. And I think when I've just said there before about teams where the the Christmas period uh, there was one game that got pretty much every single team. Liverpool's game was against Wolves. Sheffield United's game was against us. I think that was the game that got Everton because in the second half they, they were absolutely. It was it was a scandalous performance, really. That was their first first choice team, full strength team, and Liverpool were, the, were by far and away the better team. And I worked it out. Liverpool basically had fifteen players missing for that game on Sunday against Everton. We had seven players that we rested. We had five players that were injured. And we had um, we had three players on the bench and only one of them came on, which was Oxley Chamberlain, Henderson and Mane didn't even get off the bench. So when you analyse it, Liverpool, 14 players that you would associate being in Liverpool's normal matchday squad for a Premier League game or a Champions League game didn't feature in that game against Everton. And we still beat them. And it, it was just, it was, it was thoroughly deserved as well, to be honest with you. We had more possession. We had more shots at goal. We had more corners than them. Liverpool control that game against their first, their first team. Absolutely outstanding by some of the young kids. I mean, it didn't help with Milner going off injured early on, but I thought Larucci come on and was outstanding at left back. But Nico Williams was brilliant at right back. As I said before, Shiravella in the middle of the park was was outstanding as well um obviously Harvey Elliott 16 years of age and 
I've been having these debates with Evertonians for the last 18 months or so about Luca Dean. And they say, they say to me, he's always oh, world class and he should have been given his chance at Barcelona. He's better than Andy Robertson. He's this, he's that. Look at the stats and blah, blah, blah. And I just think he's absolutely horrendous. I think he's got a decent left foot. I think he, he's, he's not bad with set pieces. He's decent going forwards. But the lad can't defend to save his life. I've seen him at Anfield now three times. And every single time defensively, he's been a shambles. And another time I seen him was when he played in the FA Cup last season. He's Millwall. And he got beat 3-2. He was at fault for every single goal that Millwall scored. He's terrible. It's absolutely embarrassing that Evertonians can even put up an argument with you about it. And there we have it. A 16-year-old kid, Harvey Elliott, for me, at times, giving the runaround. And he ended up picking up a booking as well. So, you know, that shows you how well Harvey Elliott performed. And, at times he was quiet, but we've got to realise this is a 16-year-old boy and the, the swagger that he played with at times in that game, for me, you, you know he's a player. And then obviously I'll leave the last one, you know, the, the best to last, shall we say, the, the local lad from Toxted, Toxted Terra number two after Robbie Fowler, Curtis Jones. I mean, i seen his interview after the match and he said that he, he felt under the weather. He, he wasn't too good. He was a bit fluey. Um, but he didn't say nothing to Jürgen Klopp because he wanted to play he'd been waiting for this moment for a long time and what a performance yeah. I mean you know 80, he's another one 18 years of age he looks like a man already you know when you're 18 you're still developing aren't you and he, he looks like he's, he's, he's a proper man now and you know what a fantastic goal I mean to score a goal of that magnitude in a derby game when you're playing pretty much... It was pretty much the Liverpool C team, wasn't it, at the end of the day? Because when we beat them back in December in the league game 5-2, we made six, five or six changes for that game as well. There was a lot of squad players and fringe players who started on that evening when we won 5-2 against them. So this was arguably our third string, and we've just beat them again. And it was an absolute wonder goal by Curtis Jones. I mean, he worked his socks off all day long, and to score a goal like that, it's absolutely fantastic and you know, hopefully he's got a massive future ahead of him and it's you know, what that's just stuff of dreams, isn't it? I mean, you know, you grew up being a Liverpool fan and wanting to play for Liverpool, I did myself and imagine being eighteen years of age and scoring a winning goal in a derby game and not just any type of goal. What a wonderful strike it was. It was right in the corner, wasn't it? I mean, we we all have a go at Pickford and say he's got little tiny arms, he's T Rex and what have you, but at the end of the day, no goalkeeper was stopping that because it was it went in on the underside of the crossbar. So it was perfection, really, by Curtis Jones. And you know, what a way to win a derby game. But absolutely humiliating for Everton. And as I say, it's psychological for them, isn't it? And we, we've heard all the talk after the game, haven't we, about the, there was murder in the dressing room, you know, senior players arguing with like the, the coaching staff and Duncan Ferguson and what have you. And, certain players squaring up to him and what and all that. It's an absolute in turmoil, aren't they? I mean, it, it's humiliating for them because they lost as I say, I am adamant that they've lost to our third thing there. Because Liverpool you know, it was a team half full of kids. We had a couple of experienced players in there, like Joe Gomez is only twenty two, but played a lot of times for Liverpool, hasn't he, for a few seasons now. Adrian's about what, thirty three, thirty four and he was in goal and Adam Lallana as well. So you know, you look and say, look, the rest of them were all kids, weren't they? And fringe players. I mean, even Divock Origi's only 24. I mean, absolutely fantastic for the kids to win that. And, you know, the reward now is, is a fourth round trip to either Bristol City or Shrewsbury. And there's no reason whatsoever for the majority of them 
players who, who played in that game against Everton that they won't get given their their opportunity in the fourth round as well because that FA Cup tie is sandwiched in between two important away Premier League games against Wolves and West Ham. So I'm pretty sure the majority of them players will go again, if you like, in the fourth round and what a fantastic performance and result for Liverpool. Yeah, and Jordan, that game, Jay, we, we lost um, James Milner to an, an injury early on and... Um, also, there was a but there was a return to action for for James, sorry for Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in the run up to the game. Um, didn't seem to be involved in many of the training sessions, so was just surprised to see him on the bench and then actually come onto the pitch later on and uh, have an influence on the game. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Because I mean, all the talk was Liverpool had got quite a few injuries, really. Avni Fabinho's been out for a while. Matip's been out for a while. Lovren and, and Oxley chamberlain uh, more recent injuries, and of course, Cater as well, injured as well. So, you know, you, you, it was a bit of a shock to the system when you, you, all the rumoured teams that you see in Oxley chamberlain in the squad, and you're thinking, where's that come from? Because Klopp never really alluded to anything that he'd be involved, and all of a sudden he's there in the match day squad and he's on the bench, and it's great really because Liverpool have just had absolutely incredible run of games, haven't they? I mean, every team has, of course, but Liverpool have just been to Qatar to play in a, in a, in a tournament. So, you know, Liverpool to suffer the injuries that they have done, it was great to get a player back from injury like Oxley Chamberlain and he could be important actually for this game against Tottenham. Not necessarily starting the game, but, you know, to play off the bench to be part of the squad because he can unlock a defence and he, he does score goals from midfield and we all have got a fair idea of how Tottenham are going to play on Saturday under Mourinho and it could be important like someone like an Oxley Chamberlain at the weekend so for him to return and get some game time in the major side derby was great really and he looked lively you know he didn't look like he'd been he'd been injured for two or three weeks did he, he looked okay and it was a pleasant surprise really that not many people knew about so yeah, here's hoping that he can have a, you know, he can put in a, a shift for us on Saturday if called upon. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to this this Tottenham game, Jay. Obviously, Tottenham have, have now got a fair few injuries themselves, haven't they? With the likes of Harry Kane, he looks like he's going to be out long term. Uh, I think it's Ndombele's out as well, possibly Musa Sissoko. Um, so possibly a front three of Ali, Son, and uh, Mora for for Tottenham in midfield. I was just having a little look before the the their predicted lineups are going like Eric Dyer and, and Ericsson in midfield. Um doesn't seem to include Harry Winks a lot of them. So um even though they are suffering with a few injuries, this this Tottenham star is still not to be taken lightly, are they? And they can still cause us us problems. So just give us your, your thoughts on um on the, the potential uh, threat from Tottenham, please, Jay. Well yeah, you're dead right. I mean Tottenham are still a very good side and you've got to respect them. I mean, they've been together for a number of years now, this group of players, and they are a good side. And we've only just recently played them in a European Cup final as well and things didn't quite work out for them. They made a couple of signings in the summer and it just didn't work out, did it, with Pochettino and some of the results were poor, really, and they had to change the manager. But it was a bit of a shock to the system. But when you analyse the stats, they've lost a lot of games of football, which surprised me really how bad they had been. They had they used to win games or lose games. They didn't really draw too often, did they? So it probably deflected how bad they actually had been because when you are winning quite a few on the spin, then all of a sudden you're winning, you're losing a few on the spin. 
it's sort of like sugar coated a little bit, doesn't it? That you know, you think that they're not doing too badly, but then when you look at the stats, they'd, they'd lost an awful lot of games of football. So you know, Pochettino lost his job, and they ended up moving for Mourinho. And you know, obviously he's an experienced coach, isn't he? More experienced than Pochettino anyway, and he's been a winner virtually everywhere that he's gone to. And I do think he's gone a little bit stale now, though. He's not the manager he once was. I think maybe. Football's evolved a little bit and Mourinho hasn't really evolved with the game the last five years or so and he's ended up at Tottenham and you know, it was a little bit of a shock to the system really him going there because he's used to going to clubs that have got tons and tons of money to spend and you know the competing for the, the major honours in the in the countries and the leagues that they play in and you know for him to go to Tottenham was a little bit of a surprise but maybe it's the London factor and been out the game, hadn't he, for virtually 12 months when he lost his job against United, uh, Manchester United, sorry. So, you know, obviously it's, it's a strange situation really in being in control of Tottenham, but I just think you've still got to respect them because, yeah, okay, they've got a few injuries there, as you've mentioned. Harry Kane, no matter what anybody says about him, he's a goal scorer and, you know, he's a massive goal threat. I do think that he can probably play slightly better brand of football without him, though. I mean, they've got Son back for this game, who's returning from a three-match suspension. They've also got Lucas Moura, who I was quite relieved that he never played in the Champions League final against us because he's the man that got the hat-trick against Ajax away from home, that actually got them to Madrid. So, you know, I think they made a mistake there by not selecting him in the final. So he probably will play in the game on, on Saturday. I've also got to Eli Alli, who I've been quite critical of over the last 18 months. I don't think he's developed or progressed as the player he looked like he was going to be two years ago. But since Mourinho's gone to the club, he has had an upturn in form. So he is a player in form. So he is one to, certainly one to watch on Saturday as well. Um, other than that, yeah, they've got injuries in the middle of the park. I mean, Musa Sissoko, I've never really been a fan of him. I think he's a bit of a he's a bit brainless at times, and he gave away the penalty, didn't he, for Liverpool in the first minute in Madrid? And I think he's a bit of a battering ram midfielder, like a powerhouse. But I don't, I think he lacks a little bit of intelligence, you know, you know, a bit ill-disciplined in terms of like the game knowledge, if you get where I'm coming from. Um, I just don't think he's that great a miss for them. Uh, and Zombly, well, how much did they pay for him in the summer? Was it £60 million? I think he looks like he's got something, but he's not really settled great yet, has he, at Tottenham, and not really set the world alight, has he, in the Premier League, and with him being out, it's it's a, probably a little bit of a bonus, because he's sorting out the ordinary, isn't he, that, like, you never know, he could turn it on on his day, but he's going to be missing the game through injury as well, so you're looking at a midfield for them, of Eric Dyer, who I've slated him for, for many a year. I think he's an absolutely awful footballer. Uh, and I do think Harry Winks will play. Surely he'll play. I mean, unless he's got an injury that I'm unaware of. But I think he'll probably play as well. And I do think Winks is a good footballer. Um, and, and Christian Eriksen will probably play as well. So they've got players there that can hear you. Creative players in Eriksen, um, Son and Moore. So, you know... Yeah. It's you can't really take them lightly because they're at home as well. Don't forget. So, and another thing as well, going into this game, Jose Mourinho. Don't forget, last time he managed against Liverpool, he got sacked, didn't he? When Liverpool beat them three one at Anfield, when he's Manchester United manager, he lost his job after that game. So, you know, he's got a point to prove as well because he'll be looking at this thinking, 
you know, he he done a lot of punditry, didn't he? And watched a lot of Liverpool's games the back end of last season and at the start of this season. And there was certain, um, you know, things that he's mentioned about how Liverpool tend to struggle against the low block, low block teams. And I I, I disagree with him in, in in some ways because Liverpool come up against that quite often in games and we've figured out a way of you know getting round that because Liverpool have won 19 out of 20 Premier League games this season so the proof's in the pudding of being getting the results but I do see where he's coming from and he's not soft if there's one man that's good at like coming up with a cunning plan and spoiling tactics it's Jose Mourinho so there's there's many factors going into this game and yeah they've got injuries but they've still got They've got a big squad, haven't they? They've got a good group of players, a good good squad there, really. So even though they've got three or four players missing, they can still put out a very good eleven for this match on Saturday. There's no doubt about that. And another player that I think is quite poor, really, but he always tends to do okay against Liverpool is Eric Lamella. Um, he scored against us last season at Wembley when we beat them two one. He also won a penalty against us at Anfield, if I remember rightly, when we drew two all. Last kick of the game with Van Dijk and Harry Kane stepped up and equalised to make it two-two. So you know, he, he, even though I think he's, I don't think he's the best player in the world. He always tends to do okay against Liverpool. So he's another player as well that could cause us a few problems if whether or not he starts the game or he's on, he comes off the bench. I'm not too sure. In defence, I think they've got. Um, I think Ori is terrible. The right back, they should have really have kept all the trip. Yeah. In the left-back area, that's interesting because Ben Davis is injured and I think Danny Rose is being injured as well. Whether or not he's going to be back for this game, I'm not so sure. Uh, if he doesn't play there, the Tongans played there a little bit, hasn't he? So that's a, a bit of an issue because he's a centre-half playing out of position. So I wonder if they go three at the back, really, where uh, Sessignon might play as a wing-back. But you know, as I say, it's for them to worry about us more more than anything else, us to worry about them because Liverpool are the team flying high, top of the Premier League, 13 points clear. You know, Tottenham are the team that have had a poor season and they're playing catch-up to try and get in the top four. So you know, the onus is on them being at home to try and get the result, really. But Liverpool coming to town, as I say, we're rest, well-rested, aren't we? We haven't played for this. There'll be a nine-day gap, really, from the Sheffield United game. So we've got no complaints whatsoever um, going into this game. So I just think, yeah, we've got to respect Tottenham and also the Mourinho factor. But no, this Liverpool team's like a machine, and hopefully we'll be okay on Saturday. Yeah, and just before we uh, we do our score predictions, Jay just. Better sleep means a better you. That's why Mattress Firm stands behind the rest assured promise. Featuring the best mattresses from America's top rated brands like the Temper Breeze Collection. And save up to $500 on premium adjustable mattress sets. Plus, get a $300 instant gift with your purchase good towards sleep accessories. Shop Temper Pedic, Stearns and Foster and more with our sleep experts today to get your best sleep only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. Visit mattressfirm.com for complete details. One or two bits uh, of transfer news that's that's been coming in over the past few days. Obviously, most of them are, aren't new rumours, but we've now announced the deal with with Nike, haven't we? Um, starting at the end of the season, twenty twenty, um, and there's there's a lot of talk that we were interested in, in Jaden Sancho. Um, but I'd like to ask you about the one that's on everyone's lips. Really, it's it could be a bit far fetched. There could be something in Nike behind it, but. Just give us your thoughts on the 
on the potential transfer of, of Kylian Mbappe. Obviously, Klopp wanted him from Monaco. Is he is he too much of a? Um, is he financially out of our range? Um, is it going to be a club that, that Kylian wants to move to? So, just give us your thoughts on on the potential move for for Mbappe, please, Jay. Well, of course, for Mbappe's sensational talent, isn't he? And it's no secret that Jurgen Klopp liked him probably maybe three years ago now when he was a young boy. And I just think that it's it's a pipe dream, isn't it, at the end of the day? What you've got to consider is he's probably going to command a transfer fee of around about 200 to £250 million. Pounds. In terms of wages, you're probably looking at between, what, 400 grand a week, maybe 500 grand a week. They're astronomical yeah. numbers, and it's just not numbers that Liverpool are, you know, used to paying and used to paying their players. Liverpool's highest earner is Mo Salah on two hundred grand a week, so Mbappe would be on double Mo Salah. I just don't think just because Liverpool have got a new sponsorship deal with Nike, I don't think it automatically means we're going to be going to sign a player for two hundred and fifty million and going to be offering them four hundred grand a week. It's just a pipe dream, isn't it? And I think. People need to get into the real world, really, because I think it's set in stone. This fella, Mbappe, he's probably going to be European footballer of the year a couple of times during his career because he is that good. But I just think he's probably going to end up somewhere like Real Madrid because they are the type of club that will pay silly money for players and will pay, obviously, silly wages as well. Liverpool just don't do that type of thing. And just because we've got this deal with Nike, we've still got to get into the real world. The deal is only actually guaranteed to be around about £30 million a year. It's what we get in terms of sales, isn't it? And of course, Liverpool will end up getting a lot more than £30 million a year. We might end up doubling that or even potentially getting up to upwards to £80 million a year. But it doesn't automatically mean we're going to be in the market for signing players for silly amounts of money. I mean, I even think that Sancho is... I know we've got a keen interest in Sancho. It, he's a player that we really like. Klopp's liked yeah. him for a while. He's someone that we would like to try and get in the summer. But again, you're looking at the figures that they're talking about, 120 million euros, like what's that, 110 million pounds? Even that, I'm not so sure. I mean, 100% Liverpool are interested in him. There's no doubts about that at all. The problem is it's whether or not you know, is he going to be worth the outlay of, of 110 million pounds? Unless Liverpool can maybe put a, you know, a player in, in, in the deal like Harry Wilson or a Marco Grujic or someone that might knock off 20 or 30 million pounds of the fee. I'm not so sure. It's one that could, you know, rumble on into the summer. Um, it certainly won't be happening in the January transfer window, but it could happen in the summer. Who knows? There's other clubs that are going to be interested in them. Namely, you know, Chelsea and Manchester United as well. I think he's definitely going to be coming back to the Premier League. But I look at Chelsea and I think, why would they need him really? And they've got Hudson Adoy, who to me is a similar ilk, isn't he, to Sancho? So why do they really need Sancho? Manchester United, of course, you know, of course they'd want someone like Sancho. But would he really want to go to United? They were probably unlikely to be in the Champions League next season. They might throw loads of money at him to try and attract him and try and get him. But at this moment in time, who wants to go to Manchester United? You know, they're a, they're a struggling club, aren't they? They still might be a massive club, but they're not competing for the big trophies no more. So why would Sancho at the age of 19 want to, want to go to Manchester United? It wouldn't make any sense. Um, you know, Man City could, of course, go back in for him. 
they they actually let him go, didn't he? They let him go to Dortmund, and I think the, there's all the talk, isn't he, that if any, if a club agree a fee with Dortmund, then they, if they match it, then they, they're entitled to go for him as well, or they've got first refusal or whatever on him. I don't know how true it is, but if it is true, then it's up to the player, isn't it? You know, what does he do? Does he assess it and think, well, they discarded me a couple of years ago. They didn't want me. So would you really want to go back to a club who, who let him go and had no interest in him? I don't know. I'm not so sure, but I do think he'll return to England and there's, it, it does limit the amount of clubs that can really attract him and that, that can buy him because, you know, there's not that many teams you can afford a, a hundred million pound transfer fee, is there? Let's get into the real world and, that's what I'm saying about this night deal. It might help us get him, but there's no guarantees of it because it's a lot of money. So we're just going to have to see what happens, really. And he's certainly a player that I would like. I mean, he's 19 years of age. If you spent £110 million on him, if you work it out, if he, if he give you a decade of service, then it works out to £11 million a year, doesn't it, if he was going to stay until the age of what? You know, 29, 30. So there's, there's, there's a number of ways of looking at it, but... I just think if Liverpool were to sign him, you'd always have that thought in the back of your mind, don't you? Are we selling one of the front three for big money? Because when we got yeah. uh, Van Dijk and when we got Allison, we only really bought them, didn't we, with the sale money of Coutinho of £140 million. Because when you think about it, Van Dijk was £75 million and Allison was £65 million. There's your £140 million. There's Coutinho money. Um, but there may be things are different now. When we get the night deal now all sorted and the, the the finances that we get from that, you know, maybe Liverpool can spend a hundred million pounds on a player without having to sell. I don't really know because when you think about it, we never signed anyone last summer, did we? Of of note, never spent much much money at all. I mean, I know we've spent seven point two five on Minamino, but it's pocket money, really, isn't it? We just got half of that back anyway by selling Allen to a Brazilian team, so. Liverpool are fantastic, aren't they? Balancing the books. I mean, I seen the the stat that was out. Um, Jürgen Klopp's net spend seventy million pounds in four years, and he's transformed us into basically a mid-table team, which is what we were when he took over from Brendan Rodgers, and he's made us obviously champions of Europe, champions of the world, and flying high to the top of the Premier League, and most likely going to be Premier League champions of England this season. So, you know, what a phenomenal job that he's done under the money restraints that he's had because it's, it is the money ball approach, isn't it? What FSG, the model, that the business model that they came with, you know, the the ideas and the blueprints of it. And, it, and you know, when you think about it, it's been successful, hasn't it? Because we have won trophies now. We've come so close to winning other trophies. We very nearly won the league another year. You know, we very nearly won another European Cup as well. So you're happy with what you've got at this moment in time, but it could have been oh so different. We could have had a few more on on. Now in the trophy cabinet, couldn't we really? And it's, it's just great times at the moment, isn't it? And yeah, it's nice to be linked with these star names. But in terms of getting Mbappe, I think it's an absolute pipe dream, and people need to calm themselves down because it's highly unlikely to happen. Jaden Sancho's the one that potentially could happen, but like I say, it's up to the club and Klopp and Edwards whether or not they think a hundred million pounds outlay on a player. Is going to be worth it because it's not really normally the Liverpool way, is it? But the only thing I will say is he's had a good age. He's 19. He can get loads of great service out of him. 
that certainly want to look out for in the summer. Yeah, cheers, Jay, for your, your insight there into the Sancho and the, the possibility of the, the MBAP deals. But just, I'd like to ask you about this one, Jay. It's, it's gone pretty much off the radar. I've just seen something a little bit earlier on Twitter. It was part of um, another podcast that James Pierce had done. Uh, I think it's the Blood Red podcast with the Echo or, or something like that. But he mentioned that... Um, Jack Grealish would possibly be a player that Liverpool would be be interested. So I've done a little bit of uh, research on him, looking at his stats against other players, and it seems that like comparing him to James Madison, for example, he, his um, his goals and his assists and and link up play tackles, everything was was in Grealish's favour, um, which surprised me slightly. So is he a, is he a sort of player that you could you could imagine Liverpool being interested in in the summer? I don't know. I mean, I think Grealish is a very good player and I've thought it for a few years. I remember he played against Liverpool in the semi-final, the FA Cup at Wembley and he and he, he ran the show, to be honest. I thought he was outstanding. And then he struggled a little bit, hasn't he, with injuries and form and probably attitude as well. Young boy, probably fame, went to his head a little bit and become a little bit of a... Got a bit of a reputation for being a big-time Charlie, really, didn't he? And I don't tend to like that type of character in a footballer, to tell you the truth. But, he, he, you know, he seems to have knuckled down a little bit and he got promoted with Villa, didn't he, last season? You know, he sort of, like, took his medicine, really, and stayed in the Championship when he probably could have got a move to another Premier, to a Premier League club and maybe a mid-table Premier League club. I think he down. was interested in him, wasn't he? That was, that was a link last summer. Yeah, I think, I think, well, I'm talking about the season before that even now, because obviously when you get promoted with your boy or the yeah. club, you're going to obviously give it a go with them, aren't you? And that's what he, exactly what he's done. And I, and I know Tottenham were linked with him in the summer, but I'm talking about the summer before. I think he was linked, I think he might have been linked to Tottenham that summer as well, actually, for around about 30 million. And then again, yeah, this that's, summer, that's but, the one I'm, I'm thinking of, I yeah. think, yeah. But I do think, that, I do think he's a very good footballer. There's no doubt in that. And he's the most foul player, I think, I read, that, even more so than, than Wilfred Zaha. And I think he's That's very right, clever. Yeah, in, that was in the stats as does. well, yeah. He's very clever in the way he does it because he sort of like gets his body in front. And a lot of people dislike that because they look at it as though he's cheating, really, and he's diving and he's this, he's that. The thing is, it shows his intelligence. He's a very good footballer, very got a good footballing brain. and. Yeah, he is an outstanding talent. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And if I had the choice between Grealish and Madison, I would opt for Grealish all day long. I put a tweet out last night, actually, funnily enough, about when, when Leicester played Aston Villa. And I, I watched Madison. I've watched him a few times in this season. And, and I do think he's a good player. There's no dispute in that. But I think he's very, very greedy. And to me... In the past, Liverpool have scouted him and, and they deemed he wasn't quite good enough. And I agree with that because I just, whenever I've watched him myself, there's just something not right about him. And to be honest, he doesn't really get much England recognition either, does he? I know Jack Grealish doesn't, but that's, that's by the by. My, my own personal point of view is Madison's been massively hyped and he's been linked with quite a number of the top clubs and Manchester United seem the most obvious one. Um, and some of the money that they're talking for him, like 80 million, 100 million, it's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole for that type of money. When Liverpool played them on boxing, boxing night, he was horrific. He, he was just wasn't involved in the game at all. And even the game at Anfield, I thought he was anonymous in that game. 
until he got a chance near the end and scored. And and people are saying, yeah, he scored in that game. So what? It was it was poor goalkeeping, in my opinion, by Adrian. I've said that on a number of other podcasts we've had in the past when we've previewed Leicester, done Leicester games and what have you. Um, I just thought it was poor goalkeeping by Adrian. So, you know, so what he scored at Anfield, to me, I, I don't think he's as good as what people make him out to be. And I do think out of the two, Grealish, for me, is the better player. A lot better player, in my opinion. But I'd be a little bit surprised if Liverpool went for him, just purely because I'm not sure about his attitude, and I think Klopp's really big on that, isn't he? And that's probably why some people are questioning whether Sancho would be the answer as well, because people question his attitude a little bit also, don't they? And and as I say, I'm not into these big-time Charlie type of characters, and I think Grealish comes across that way, doesn't he, a little bit? Um, So, I don't know, let's see what happens, but I, I can't see it myself. But if Liverpool were to dip in the market for him, I wouldn't say no to it because it's quite clear that he's a fantastic footballer, very intelligent, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, for me, I just think we, I'd rather have something better if you get where I'm coming from. But by all, by all, you know, as I say, I do think he's a very good footballer, Jack Grealish. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Cheers, Jay. Thanks very much. Right. What we'll do, uh, just before we end the show, we'll do our, our usual, Score predictions. So, Tottenham away. Give us your thoughts on a score prediction, please, Jay, and your your reasons for them. Well, as I mentioned before, I think it's the Mourinho factor, isn't it? Because he's not soft. He knows this is a very good Liverpool side. He's also probably smartened a little bit from last season because we basically effectively got him the sack, didn't we, when he was Manchester United manager. So, he might have a point to prove. He tries to be the, you know, this tactician. And really, a lot of the time, it's just, you know, parking the bus, really, with his tactics. But they have got players that can hurt us, as I said before, when I was, I was talking about Tottenham's players and the dangers that they possess in the ranks. And I, I just think it could be tough. I mean, if, if Liverpool had played the, you know, obviously a full strength team against Everton in the FA Cup game, I probably think to myself that, you know, this is a really difficult game. We could drop points here. But I just think when you analyse the fact that we've had, this is the first time for a long time that this group of players have been able to have a, a long break, if you like. Nine days is is quite a big gap, isn't it, when you think about it? And they should be tip-top going into this game and taking on board the fact that Spurs have got a few injuries as well. And not just the Kane injury, because I think they're covered there with the dangers with, with Son and Mora and Deli Ali and Ericsson. I just think it's more midfield where you know, they're quite, it's quite weak, really, isn't it? I mean, you go back to the throwback to the Tottenham team of a few years ago. Dembele used to always play well against Liverpool. He used to run the show. And obviously, he's not there no more. And I think Eric Dyer is a very poor player. It'd be interesting to see whether or not he throw Juan Yama in the midfield because he's quite combative, isn't he? And, you know, I'm sure Mourinho will have something up his sleeve. But this Liverpool team's just in unbelievable form. And, I think it was Trent Alexander-Arnold who said, like, Liverpool, basically, if we don't win a game of football, they're all fuming in the dressing room after it. I think it was the Napoli game when we drew with Napoli. Like, you know, at the end of the day, Napoli had a good side, but Liverpool, the players were furious that they ended up drawing that game. In the league, like, we've obviously only drawn with Manchester United, so, you know, that was months ago now. So, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? But you've seen how many times this season Liverpool scored like late goals, late winners, 
and that's the thing. It, it, the, the mentality monsters and mentality giants is what Jürgen Cobb always calls them, and and that's actually that's it's true, isn't it? Because they are. I mean, even like games this season and recent times as well, like the Wolves game not so long ago, um, the game against Watford where we left it late to get the second killer goal, um, the game against Brighton when we were two two one up late on in the game down to ten men. They dig in and they've got that siege mentality and, and it's just, they want this title so much. They want this league title just as much as us, the fans want it. And that's great because we know they've got 100% every single game. They're not going to let us down. It's not going to be for the want to try in any way. So going into this game now, there's, there's, there's no excuses at all. We, we can't complain about the preparation because there's a nine-day gap. So to me, that makes Liverpool favourites for the game. We probably were anyway, but it makes us even more favourites now because they've had to play basically a full strength team in the FA Cup against Middlesbrough. The only thing I will say though is obviously I've touched on it there a few times already is the Mourinho factor because he'd love nothing better to get one over on Liverpool and he thinks he's got this, you know, the the blueprint on how to stop Liverpool where all his pundits suggested he knows a way to stop Liverpool and to stifle us. And as I say, he is the man, the best man for it in terms of parking the bus. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the game develops. I mean, I think we need an early goal. And if we get an early goal, I think we win the game comfortably. It just depends on how the game develops in the first half, really, for me. But if anything, even if we don't get an early goal, as we've seen time and time again in games, you've just got to be patient and a goal will come. And hopefully that'll be the case. And I just, I've toyed with the idea of potentially like we could drop points in this game. But I just think every single game we go into, we're so confident that we're going to get the job done. We're going to get the victory. We're going to get the three points. And I just can't see it being any difference in this game on Saturday. I really can't. I respect Spurs. I think they've got some really good players. They've got four or five injuries, haven't they? I mean, even the goalkeepers out. Gazaniga had an unbelievable game at Anfield when we played them earlier on in the season. Um, you know, it was 2-1 in the end that game, but really it could have been 5 or 6. Liverpool absolutely murdered them. Um, and Larissa is still out injured. So, again, you know, they've, they've got an injury in that area of the team as well, the goalkeeper department. So, as I say, there's no excuses. I think Liverpool, with the preparation time that we've had, I'm sure, you know... It's, I think we will get the job done. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool victory. Got to go for a 2-1 victory, Jay. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, something along the same lines myself. Uh, obviously, with, with Tottenham being the home side, they're going to have to, to come out and play a little bit. And um, Obviously, we've kept a lot of clean sheets lately, but I just think yeah, they, they might breach um, our defence in this game and, and score a goal. But... With yourself going for the 2-1, I'll go for a 3-1 victory for Liverpool. Um, I think, like you say, the boys, they're all going to be refreshed. Hardly any of them will have featured in the, the past 9, 10, 10 days. Only only Joe Gomez, so all the front line of Firmino, Mane, Salah, um, and the backup behind him. They're all, they're all fresh, aren't they? And they're all going to be ready to go for this game and go back into the Premier League and hopefully come away with a, with another three points, which is what they're going to be aiming to do. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a with a 3-1 victory for Liverpool in this fixture. Right, so just before we go, just a few thank yous today. Obviously, the, the guys at LFC Day Trip are supporting out all the podcasts. Big thanks to the at 
LFC online Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page for putting out all our podcasts on their their platform. Don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign. Paul Bentley, Lee Butler and all them, they've uh, got a lot of things going on again this year. It's, it's going to be a big year for them and hopefully uh, they can start making some some moves in that area. So thanks everybody again for, for listening. That's the Liverpool uh, Tottenham versus Liverpool preview podcast. And uh, thanks again for joining me, Jay. Yeah, cheers, mate. You know, obviously... It's great at the moment, isn't it, being a red? So we're just looking forward to every game, aren't we? And hopefully on Saturday, Liverpool can stretch the lead at the top of the Premier League. Yeah, spot on. Fingers crossed. Right, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening to our, our Tottenham Liverpool preview podcast. We'll be back next week with our Liverpool versus Manchester United preview podcast, isn't it? It's a big one, so we're... We'll try and get a, a guest on to, to join us from the, the Manchester United side. Um, next week so thanks everybody again for listening and uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye attention social security and SSI recipients if you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit go to ssa.gov eip to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits like the child tax credit That's ssa.gov slash EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.